I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm David Cartledge. The return of La Liga sees Bellingham kick off with a bang. And Barca, borderless balled at Getafe. How does that translate? Also, after Harry Kane's long wait for a trophy, could this be the Bundesliga season when Bayern win nothing at all? And a biggie bites the dust in the Champions League qualifiers. What does Marseille's early exit say about the state of French football with or without PSG? First things first, gentlemen, uh, last night saw Sevilla and Manchester City go toe-to-toe in the Super Cup. Well, we know what the result was. How was the match for you, Andy? Uh, it, was, it was pretty interesting, I thought. Obviously hugely conditioned by the heat, which I think was a bigger disadvantage to Manchester City than it, it was to Sevilla. Because, of course, every game or every home game that Sevilla play before September they're going to need to be drinking a lot of water before, during and after um, because it's, it's so incredibly hot and it's a debate in um, Spanish football every year that, you know, should you be playing home games in Seville before 10 o'clock, before September? And the, the, the answer is probably no. I thought Manchester City looked quite wilted from it. Of, of course, the fact that Sevilla wanted to sit deep and City wanted to make the play at some sort of pace, which they were completely unable to do. I mean, it was it was it was a real leveler to it as well. But I was I was impressed by Sevilla actually, David, especially with everything that's been going on there recently. Yeah, I was going to say um, it's it's Sevilla, so you, you've always got the issue of players leaving. Um, I think hanging over you. Um, and last night was was no different. Um, number one goalkeeper uh, Bono um, heading off to Saudi Arabia, and uh, their fullback, World Cup winning fullback uh, Acuna, uh, heading to uh, England with Aston Villa. So. Sevilla being Sevilla, having all that hanging over to them as they saw so used to down the years. I mean, this is not a new situation for them. And I think Mendy Abau was, was very, you know, um, effusive about that before uh, before the game. And, and he said, look, we'll, we'll deal with this. It doesn't matter who's in the team. We'll, we'll deal with this. And they gave an excellent account themselves. Um, I thought, considering everything hanging over them, um, considering also, I wouldn't say they've particularly strengthened too much either. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was really impressive. And I think if... Edison's goalkeeping wasn't so impressive and maybe Enaziri's finishing was better. And I think we could have had a different outcome inside 90 minutes. Well, it remains to be seen how Sevilla fare this season, obviously. But already La Liga seems to have kicked off with a bang and the bang being with a B for Bellingham. Indeed, Jude has arrived. Um, And I remember when the fixtures came out and I thought he'd be making his debut and 
you looked and it was at Sam Mamez, I thought, wow, what a, what a place for, for him to have his debut. I think, you know, if you look at the historical context um, between Athletic Bilbao and Real Madrid, it's, it's, it's quite significant on, on many levels, even outside of football. So I thought it was really interesting. And for him to score his debut goal at Sam Mamez, La Catedral, um, was just a magnificent moment. And I, I tweeted about it after and I said, it's like Bellingham's got the script. Because it is just such a great place, I think, to score your debut goal. I think. Did he mean it? Yeah, I think he meant it. Are you I, sure I th- about that? I, th- I think he meant it. Yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, and I think if it was, say, Meza Ozil, you wouldn't even be asking that, would you? No, you wouldn't. I don't think you would. I, I looked at you know, if you, I think if you looked at the shape of his body and how how he moved his foot, I think he definitely but meant he it. He says that it was a bit of a scuffed goal. Yeah, yeah. He says himself because he kicks the ball into the ground and then yeah. it, it loops, loops over the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he says it, it was a scuffed goal. But you both think yeah. no. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I, th- I think he maybe he didn't catch it hundred percent as he wanted yeah. to, but I think he deliberately hit it into the ground. Yeah, and yeah. L- look, even outside of his goal, by the way, he was he was fantastic. He was everywhere, and it should be said, everyone in Madrid, the coaches, the players, the media, are absolutely amazed by this guy. They're already just looking up at him as some sort of god. He's he's made that much of an impression early on, both on and off the pitch. And if you look at his performance as well, if you have to do anything when you play in Bilbao, late night game, those fans, home fans have been out all day. They're hyped up for this. They're playing their biggest enemy. For him to put the performance that he did on every in every area of the pitch, some bone crunching challenges, the way he was covering ground as well. He scored obviously. He you know he was he was nearly assisting a few goals as well, and there was one great chance where he little chipped across in, and it was nearly an overhead kick goal. I think it was Vinicius. Um, he was phenomenal. He really, really was. And but yeah, what a player! I mean, it's about presence, really, isn't it? With, with he's got the aura. Yeah, he does. He, and, he's got aura, and, 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 and he's a teenager. And I, I know it's remarkable, isn't it? But it's, I think if you look at the way he celebrated the goal, Don. And we we were talking about this beforehand. Well, well, yeah. And um, you know, he he goes and sort of extends his arms in front of the athletic fans, which, by the way, is easier than you would think because there are basically no Real Madrid fans yeah. there at all. <laughs> Um, and why is that? Well, because it's a part of the country in which no one supports Real Madrid, basically, yeah. or at least not publicly. One club city, yeah. And so, um, it's a couple of the senior players, after he's embraced by the Real Madrid players, a couple of the senior players from Athletic, Iñaki and um, Icamunyain, come over to him and go, You can't do that at our place. And he's like, Well, it's so I think boring. I, I think I just did. Oh, I think I just did. It's so boring. It's like, I remember when, um, I think Neymar did some. Uh, he did some lovely little skills once against Athletic Bilbao, and I think a few of the athletic players came over to him and said, "Oh, you, you can't do that." Yes, he can. There's nothing against it. Neymar can do that. Bellingham can celebrate like that if he wants. And look, and I said to Andy before we came on the show, look, Munain's a right snide little shit. He's done this. He's done <laughs> things like this before and worse at other clubs in other games. So come on, get off your high horse. I mean, it's it's not it's not like he was flicking the V's or anything like that, is it? I mean, it does feel all, as if we're witnessing yeah. something very special. It, uh, does, it with, does. With Jude Bellingham at Real Madrid. Special for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, if you're an England fan, you're looking at that and thinking, wow, we've got potentially one of the best players in the world, if not now. Mm. Um, but also, if you're a La Liga fan, you're looking at... The, Perhaps one player could be a game changer, could they? In the way that Zinedine Zidane was in that era of Galacticos, maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's he's different in terms of, of, of being a player. And Zidane was already part of an illustrious cast that was, was being assembled. 
this is slightly different because they're making the team quite self-consciously younger, as they have been doing for a couple of years. But they've signed, as you say, a 19-year-old that's not really a 19-year-old. Yeah. He's, he's something else completely. And I think when you look at how much more impressive Real Madrid were than Barcelona this weekend, and unfortunately, you do have to define it as that because, you know, even at this very early stage in the season, um, you look at what Real Madrid have had to cope with so far. So there's no direct replacement for Benzema. Sorry, Hozilu. Uh, you've had the ACL injury to Thibaut Courtois. Of course, they were all wearing shirts, the Real Madrid players pre-match to say um, all, all the best, get get well soon, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then in this match, Eden Militao goes down with an ACL injury, uh, arguably their, 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 their best defender. So they've, they've got a lot of problems to, to, to deal with. They're going to have to think creatively about how to deal with that. Even with the loan signing of Kepa, they're going to have to think of how they're going to deal with that in the next couple of weeks. But there was something very assured about them all the same, wasn't there? I, 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 I thought so. it was a really impressive performance. I think, although it's a, a young group, I think if you look at them, they've now played quite a few games together. They've, they, they've now been, they, they've been given responsibility as well. You know, Cruz and Modric are allowed to sit now. The keys have been given, I think, to, to Vinny, Chuameni, Kamavinga, and now Bellingham. So I think that, if you're a young player and they're, and Real Madrid sent you, look, the responsibility's on you. You take that responsibility, and so and look. I've seen a lot of players go into Real Madrid and drown. Guys like Yaramendi, Danny Ceballos, I think as well, drowned by the size of the club and the responsibility. But this particular mm. group, I think, very assured group, very confident group, are handling it really, really well. So they can start games and rest, Cruz um, and Modric, and so on. Every league, I guess, needs you know some mercurial talent to to fire up the passion of the fans to fire up the other teams as well. Arguably, it does lift all the other teams to a certain extent. Can you see Bellingham being that central figure in La Liga this season? Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because, look, La Liga's, I think, lacked a face. I think every league um, around the world has a has a face. Um, and La Liga have been looking for one, look, for marketing purposes, if we're, if we're going to go down that avenue. They really, really have. And I think now they've got Bellingham and Vinny who they can move on with to do that. And Real Madrid wanted a face as well. You know, they lost Benzema, who was probably for a period ended up being the, the face of La Liga just by default because of the players had left and what have you and his stardom. You know, he'd grown as a player, I think. So he found himself and then obviously he's gone. So that gap still is there for a young player to get, whether it be a Gavi, a Pedri, a Vinny. But like, like we said, Andy, I think Bellingham's got a particular aura about him. And so is Vinny as well. I think they've got aura and they can, and that's what's great. If you're a league and you're trying to put yourself around the globe, it's perfect for them. And of course, when you're talking about La Liga, there are two sides of the coin, aren't there? We've done Real Madrid. Barcelona, on the other hand, are experiencing a very, very different start to their season. Yeah, you see, when you when you said there's another side to the coin, I thought we were going to start talking about Memphis's banger for Atletico against you can, uh, you Gr- Granada. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come to that in a minute, maybe. Uh, I think Barcelona's... Well, you were talking about Munyain before, David. Barcelona's crying uh, at the end of the game against Getafe, and especially Xavi, who, obviously, incredible footballer, has done pretty well in his coaching career so far. There's a lot of complaining in there. There is really a lot of complaining. In and the thing is, there's complaining for, like, it's, it's, it's like if you go to Sainsbury's and complain that they sell vegetables under spotlights. You know what's going to happen when you're going through the door. And when you go through the door at the Coliseum, you know that 
with Hetafe, the ball's going to be in play for probably a third of the yeah. the, the, the game. How do they and, do it? And they're How gonna, do they do that? Four matches in a row now that Barcelona have not scored at Hetafe. <laughs> How on earth has Hetafe managed to keep them out? Well, because they play in a particular way. Now, uh, of, of course, this is different because Bordelas only just came back. Jose Bordelas, the coach, who is known for his... Um, a particular style of football, I suppose, quite a reductive style of football. You, you, you might say it's very polite of you the yeah. way you've said that. Thank you. Oh, I'm, 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 I've read on Twitter this week. I was going to say, I'll let you do the other half of it in, 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 in a minute. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think obviously not all of those games have involved Borderlands because he, he he went away. He came back in, in in the Coda to last season, and you know him and Hetafe fit together. I think that's fair to say. But the way that when you saw, like in the, in the first half, uh, Rafinha, and this I think was the main thing, it was, it was a brilliant quote from Bordelas afterwards, where he said, uh, they're talking about how we destroyed the game, but the only act of violence was Barcelona's. Because, of course, he's talking about the elbow by Rafinha, for which he got sent off in the first half, and which Rafinha apologised for and said he, he let his teammates down, etc. Like, when they're getting sucked in to that extent in the first half, you think, yeah, this isn't going anywhere for, for Barcelona. I can't believe that they would be that daft. And since you've had Xavi, you've had various Barcelona directors going, this is destroying football. No wonder people across the world don't want to watch um, La Liga. It's like, it's, what? It's rope and dope, what? isn't yeah. it? Yes. That's what they've done. And yeah, if that, it's good you're, enough you're right, for boxing... You're right, because they had the chances to win it, actually, mm, towards, mm. towards the end. But if they're getting sucked in... So Getafe's game, you can see the game plan here. That's Whatever you do, disrupt Barcelona's game plan. That's the key. The minute Rafinha got sucked in, that's it. And you'd look at, I thought Lewandowski stood out to me as well, for all the wrong reasons. He was appalling. And he got sucked in. He, he was completely rattled. Um, there was a few little elbows into him, a few little knees into him, and he was completely sucked in. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle it. Um, Every that time. really surprises me because normally he's quite good at that rough stuff. Yeah, but it, it speaks to me. To me, it all comes from the coach. If if the coach is making pre-making excuses for them, mm-hmm. it's like, come on, just you know, this has happened. Just before. roll your sleeves up and win yeah. the game. They You've knew, got to win scruffy games to win the league. They knew what was coming, but there's you can direct it to Barcelona and say, well, finally they weren't mentally or physically tough enough to take that on. They know it was coming. Everybody knew it was coming from a mile off. But Atafi are very good. Look, there's a big gap between them in finances and what have you and quality of players. Mm. Bordelas just looks to narrow those margins. And he does so really, really well against Barcelona because he knows what rubs them up the wrong way. It's been the case down the years, you know, and I know... Is that the definition of Bordelas bald? Yeah, yeah. Bordelas I think Sidlow put it perfectly when he said Barcelona were Bordelas. And that's yeah. what it is when you've been bored last. And they were out because being bored last means you get sucked into all the Tafes games. You take the eye off the ball, quite literally. I think as Lewandowski was doing for quite often because he was so worried about what was going on behind him, who was going to come and run into him and smack into him next. They took their eye off the ball. Therefore, Hatafe gained control of the game and had it where they wanted it. Does Xavi have, and you, Andy, was saying that, you know, he's crying a bit too much, but does he have a point in terms of, only about 30% of the time was the ball in play. 30% of Again, the match. What it, what, it, what it says in the tin. I think where he had issues with some of the refereeing, I think it was the one where Ezab Day went, went through and it looked like Jene pulled him over. Yeah. 
uh, okay, maybe he's maybe he's got a point there. But the way he lost it was, I, I think, consistent with the fact that he was just, you know, looking for an excuse all, all the time. Which I, I think is, I think he's poor. Like like yeah, we said, yeah. you know, was you know was coming. You know was coming. Uh, Hundred minute. It's plus that game, hundred minutes. Plus. You know, I think it went to a hundred and six in the end. Yeah. I, I was wanting 25, 30 minutes more. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been, I think there was only me who wanted that. <laughs> were you so. playing right back? For <laughs> <laughs> well, before we draw a line on La Liga, one of the stars of La Liga in previous uh, incarnations of that league was Neymar. Of course, he was is still an exciting player, but he's gone from. Barcelona to PSG and now he's off to Saudi. I wonder whether this is the right opportunity to write his uh, European League epitaph. Well, I think it is, even though he signed this two-year contract with Al-Ahli, which um, suggests that he's leaving the door open to coming back to Europe. I I think it's a bit like when you don't finish your degree and you're like, oh, I'll come back to it. I, I I don't think I've done that. I don't think he'll 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 come back. I think he'll go back home. Yeah. I think he'll end up back at Santos. So you know. Well, I I guess the thing is, you look not just at his age, but what sort of nick he's in. I, I mean, he's he's been through a lot at, at PSG. Um, I, I know some people will turn their nose up at that, but he, he has been through a lot, particularly physically. Where um, David was making the point when we were speaking about it earlier, uh, as, as being absolutely kicked from pillar to post. All his injuries at PSG are not, d- despite what some people would suggest, the um, inevitable con- consequence of high living. They're being kicked by brutal defenders, and that's why he made a terrible mistake going to France in the in, in, the, in the first place. Because all of his injuries have, have have been contact injuries. Now, I guess. If you're being very optimistic from the Neymar perspective, there is a school of thought that says, okay, if you're having, I don't want to say a holiday, because obviously the, the the Saudi Pro League could improve enormously over the, the, the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, its intensity could rise enormously, especially with all the players they're bringing but in. At the moment, though, it does feel like a, a holiday camp for well, senior footballers, well, well, doesn't the, it? Well, I guess, the, I guess the question is, if the intensity is a bit lower... Is it like a bit like getting in a cryogenic chamber? Could that say? I know I've never this, been I know this, in one myself. I know but... this is the, <laughs> later in the season. <laughs> I, I, I guess, like, I'm thinking of a player who went to China for a couple of years and got some of themselves back. So, if you look at a Vitzel or a Carrasco, someone like that, Carrasco is different because he's a little bit younger. But Vitzel had a couple of major injuries. Um, left Europe or left Zenit, went off to China and then was completely renewed when he came back to Dortmund. It's almost as if he'd got some years back. Now, maybe that could happen to Neymar. To me, it feels like it's possibly a a, a bit late, but maybe that's what he's looking at, as obviously, as well as the enormous financial advantages and getting away from the situation at PSG. Yeah, I honestly think that's the key thing. His body does need some protection um, and it's not had it for a long, long time. I think there was a degree of protection for him in La Liga and yes, he got kicked, of course he did. But I think it's been a different level in France um, and I think that's hindered him a lot um, on on a different level. And look, I think the question here at the top of this, you know, what you've asked is, you know, has Neymar been a success in Europe? 
I think he has. I think he's been a major success in Europe. I think if you look at it, he's formed at Barcelona. He formed part of one of the most devastating attacking trios anybody's ever seen. For some people, probably the greatest front three of all time with MSN. I think, you know, he's won a lot of titles there as well. He went to PSG. I think, and look, people might turn their noses up at this or shake their head, but I think he had a remit to go there and enhance their brand, put them around the world, make them be seen as a, a serious outfit. I think he did that as well. I think a lot more people took notice of PSG following that. Agreed. Yes, the Champions League, what they have desired so much, hasn't come. But, you know, I think there's other factors involved at why PSG haven't won that, um, which we won't go into. But I think he's been a major success. And it'll be interesting for me, the view from Brazil is going to be really interesting in this. Because I think they looked at Neymar when he was at Santos. Unbelievable player. I remember, oh God, I remember I used to stay up watching him and I was fascinated by him when I first heard about this kid and watching him play. I was like, wow, there's nobody else doing playing football like this, the way he moved, the skills, that his approach to the game, his pure joy that he had. He was fascinating to watch. And then I think Brazilians saw him and said, right, this is our next star that we can send over to Europe and get that World Footballer of the Year award back. Romario, Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, Ronaldo had it. Ricky Kaka, of course, the only one to break the the Messi Ronaldo, um, you know, Hodgman over the over the award as well, and I think that is probably the only thing that you can potentially put at Neymar as as a failure in Europe is that he's not done that, but otherwise, but I think for different periods in his career he's been the best player in the world. There's certainly times when I've seen him with Barcelona, he has been the best player there, even among Suarez and Messi. He's had periods there where he really carried that team. I thought. And then a PSG as well, There's, I'm sure Andy will vouch for this, there's been times when he's been better than Mbappé or he's been the best player on the team and he's carried them a little bit as well. And before his most recent injury as well, really callous injury I thought that he had, he was in fantastic form then as well. And then obviously he went to the World Cup and I think <laughs> with that injury and he was hindered there as well. And even then he still managed to turn it on there. He's a phenomenal player and I think we'll look back 10, 15, 20 years wherever like that and we'll, especially the way the game's coming as well, more robotic, more data-orientated and what have you. Wow, we had a player who was pure joy. He just played football like he came off the streets. Yeah, and I don't think there's been a player since Beckham who the public view of him is so obscured by his celebrity. Mm. Like, like what, what he is as a footballer, people don't see it a lot of the time, I think, because of what he is as a, as a, as a, as a public persona. Yeah, that's why we've got to put the record straight. And the record is that he scored 223 goals in 350 games in Europe. That's a phenomenal wow. Absurd. record. Absurd. And that's not a centre forward either. And it doesn't, it doesn't even <laughs> tell all of the story, yeah. the numbers, does, does it? Uh, exactly. Right. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
Now, let's move on to the Bundesliga. I think it's fair to say that Harry Kane's arrival at Bayern Munich was greeted with a lot of fanfare. But not when you went to Germany last weekend, uh, Andy. You were there for something completely different, were you? There was loads. Of, there was loads of fanfare, um, but yeah, it didn't end up being the celebration they hoped. Um, of, of course, uh, I, was, I was there for the German Super Cup final with uh, RB Leipzig. Um, his signing was officially announced on the same day, on the on the Saturday. Um, but even before then, you know, you go to any of the the, the buying stores around the city. Um, there were huge queues and it was boiling hot, by the way. It was absolutely roasting, but still people were out there in, in, in the heat queuing uh, for new Harry Kane shirts, which were absolutely flying off the, the, the shelves. People of all shapes and sizes in the, in the new Kane shirt. Did you get me one? Uh, <laughs> it's still in my suitcase at home. Uh, but um, I thought it would have been too soon after the departure from Tottenham. I, I think... Talk, talking of talking of soon, when he came on, obviously the atmosphere in the stadium was amazing. But he comes on with just over twenty five minutes to go. The fans have been demanding for him to come on for a while because by this point, buying a, a a two nil down. Four minutes after he's come on, before he's even touched the ball, I give away a pen, go three nil down, and it goes from as as I wrote in the Guardian, potential rescue act to. Oh, this is awkward, isn't it? it, it you know, it's it's, it's yeah. like a clause that he has to go through um, to 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 get to the next bit. Now, of, of course, he's he's still got his uh, Bundesliga debut to come um, away at Werder Bremen on 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 Friday. Um, but if people and obviously there's been a, a, a lot of chat in UK media, particularly about oh, Kane's going to go over there and what what if he wins a trophy? It's it's, it's not going to mean anything because Bayern always win the Bundesliga. Well, Bayern do always win the Bundesliga. Yeah, they've won it eleven times in, except, in the last eleven seasons. Except, except they shouldn't have won it at the end of last season. <laughs> and except this underlined that really not enough not enough has changed since the back end of last season. When remember before the season was even done. They binned the CEO, Oliver Kahn, binned the sporting director, Hassan Salahamazic. Um, they've not replaced Salahamazic yet. And the, the introduction of Kane was always going to have to paper over some gaps, as we said on OTC last week. But, but, but how many gaps are there? And on the evidence of the Super Cup, and yeah, it's just the, the evidence of a curtain raiser, a lot. And I think the the way that Thomas Tuchel was talking after the game, where he said, I've, I've, "I feel sorry for Harry because we didn't create anything for him. We looked like we hadn't been training for the last four weeks, um, and I don't know why." He says, "I don't know a lot for a Bayern Munich coach," and it's the same press conference that he gave time and time again after a poor performance last season, and. There is so much to sort out in that team. Now with Bayern, and I know Kane isn't just about goals, but with Bayern, it wasn't just about replacing Lewandowski for the goals. Because remember, Lewandowski scored 35 Bundesliga goals in his last season for Bayern. When he went, and they didn't directly replace him, and I say that with no disrespect to Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting, they scored five less league goals last season. And the goal scoring was not why they only just won the Bundesliga. It was everything else that was wrong with the team. And everything else that's wrong with the team is what has not been fixed. This is a problem, isn't it? They spent, what, 100 million quid on Harry Kane. Mm -hmm. He was supposed to be the um, 
the magic difference, if you like, from last season uh, to this season. But I, I remember the question from Ask OTC last week, David, and it was a more sort of fundamental question about where Bayern um, find themselves in the Bundesliga firmament this season, given their narrow escape last season. And I wonder whether the question we should be asking now is, what if Bayern don't win anything this season? Mm -hmm. Harry Kane will look like a, well... Well, he will have, have egg on his face, won't he? Because he left Tottenham essentially to go and find some trophies, but he's not going to get it. Or he arguably might not get it this season. I mean, look, you can already start envisioning the content, really, can't you? If that were to happen. You know, I think there's already something hanging over Harry Kane and hanging over Spurs and, and that type of link about not winning anything and what have you like that. So you can already see the content. I mean, it writes itself, I, type, I think, there for Kane. So, but look, he's... Signed a long-term deal there. He's got a few years to win it, um, you know, but I think ultimately Bayern really have to um, help him in terms of getting some other players in who they need. There's a lot of talk at the moment about Tuchel really wanting this number six position where I keep hearing about all the time. I feel like everyone's wanting a number six this summer. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go there. I think they've got players that can sell to raise some more funds. So I know they've spent a lot on Kane. So I think there's some players that can maybe sell um, there but one thing as well as an actual out and out striker I just don't think they've, I think they've lacked a player since uh, Thiago left so a, a, a controller somebody who can build from the back somebody who can b build in centre midfield spread player open up the player um, you know pull teams apart I think you know Bayern face a lot of deep blocks a lot of teams happy to sit in against them try to frustrate them um, and they've got a lot of players I think in advanced areas who can who can absolutely do that but they need but they need to get the ball they and it's like Tuchel said we need to create we didn't create anything for Harry why are you not creating it's because nothing's been really built from the back so they've always lacked that since Thiago left they've always lacked that player for me who can who can just control the game I mean in, in terms of building right from the back uh, the one success of this Super Cup and now thoroughly outplayed by by Leipzig was uh, Kim Min-jae, who, when, it, when he came on as, as, as sub, was fantastic. Um, we all know how good he is from the way he played with Napoli last season. He's going to be a massive upgrade for them in terms of athleticism, in terms of intent. Um, I, I think that's the sort of leadership that the, that the team has really lacked, actually. And not just from on the field, from on the bench, I, I would argue, in, um, in, in recent times. In fact, I, I would go as far as to say that um, Kane won't win anything at Bayern with Tuchel in charge. I, 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 think, I, I, think, I think that is the case. But then again, that doesn't mean they won't win anything this season. I don't think Tuchel will last the season. No, I don't either. Um, I, 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 I think you look at where they are at the moment, and now he's in... Uh, not only is he struggling to really lead this, this, this team, this group, but also, um, if it goes wrong in the first couple of months of the season... He's led on the signings because they haven't got a sporting director at the moment, which, well, we saw how that ended up for Chelsea. I don't, I don't think that was particularly great. So, I mean, the, the number six thing that David talks about is interesting because obviously he spent uh, a, a while having a couple of chats with Declan Rice. Declan Rice was impressed, but not impressed enough to sign because he wanted to sign for Arsenal, which is fair enough. Um, the thing is, Kimmich thinks he is the number six and Tuchel thinks he's not. And so that is the source of quite a lot of discord. Now, 
look, Kimmich and Goretzka, I don't think you can argue, for different reasons, have not turned into the pair leading Bayern forward uh, that Bayern thought they would. Kimmich was terrible in this game. And there were probably five or six Bayern players who were really genuinely terrible in this game. Um, the wide players weren't up to much as well. And as we said last week, that is where a lot of the value of Harry Kane is going to come come in. The fact that he drops deep, plays better passes into the channels than they ever will have had before. But they're so static. Really, the only movement is coming from Jamal Musiala. And we talked about piling responsibility on teenagers before. If Musiala is your only creative player, I, I think you've got a, a massive issue there. Then you've got the defence. Then you've got the fact that <clears throat> they've not got a goalkeeper really at the, at the moment because Neuer's not coming back in a hurry. They've sold Zoma and they've loaned out Alexander Nubel. Um, so Sven Ulreich, who I, I guess you could argue was third, fourth choice, is in goal at the moment. Because they've whiffed on Kepa, who went to Real Madrid, of course, and a, a couple of other targets, it seems now that they're going to continue with Ulreich and just get in a, a young backup to learn off him, which is a a dreadful idea. Like Ulrich is not good enough for that level at all. And they could dig themselves a hole by which they're going to make it very difficult for themselves to win the league in the first couple of months of the season. So all those are absolutely huge problems. And Harry Kane can't do anything about any of that. Yeah, that, that hole they're digging. And, and it's uh, a what they call in philosophy, a um, I can't remember what they call it in philosophy now, just goes to show where I was paying attention in the class. <laughs> It's what they call a tautology, digging themselves a hole of their own making. Because, you know, this isn't, we haven't even talked about the competition yet. They must be looking at this and thinking, this is the time that Bayern are right for the taking. Well, that, that, to, that to me is, is, is the thing. I, I don't know what you thought, David, but Leipzig, who, remember, lost their four best players this summer. They lost Nkunku, they lost Gvardiol, they lost Conrad Leimer, who's playing for the other team, and they lost oh. Dominic Soberslai. And, and so they should have looked disjointed. But they looked well coached. And they looked as if there were connections between those players. Lois Appender was terrific. The link between Appender and Xavi Simons, who was at PSV last season, went back to Paris Saint-Germain and has now been loaned to Leipzig for the season, was terrific. Their football was so bright and inventive. I, d I don't know about you, David. When I was talking about that lack of creativity in Bayern, I look at Xavi Simons and thought, well, this guy could walk into the Bayern team. He could walk into the he could walk into the PSG team. He'd definitely improve there as well. It like, was my first thought when I saw that he wasn't going back to PSV and PSG had something to do with him and not make a decision on him. I was thinking, all right, surely he's going to stay at PSG or surely he's going to get a big... When he went to Leipzig, no disrespect to them at, um, mm. at all, I thought he'd done his kind of Leipzig-level move at PSV. I thought he was now primed for a big move. I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. If, if Manning had Oliver had brought him in, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. I thought, okay, cool. I think he's ready for that type of move. My first thought when Andy made the statement about uh, Harry Kane not winning anything with Thomas Tuchel in charge was, bang goes my, my shirt, my, my Harry Kane shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Champions League qualifiers. And normally, we wouldn't be talking about it at this time of the season. This is early on. But I think we needs must talk about this. A previous European Cup winning club gets knocked out at these early stages of the Champions League qualifiers. 
questions are going to be asked, aren't they? And we're talking yeah. about Marseille versus Panathinaikos. Okay, Panathinaikos have got skills, not knocking them, but previous finalists, of like, course, like says, yeah. of course. But Marseille. They've come a long way, obviously, from the Marseille that were the champions of Europe. But to get knocked out at this stage, Andy, this is atrocious. Yeah, and I think you make an interesting point because the, the, the qualifiers, it almost feels like the, the, the Champions League shouldn't be upon us at this point. But this, to me, is why these are among the most fascinating moments of the, the European season. Because these are absolutely huge matches which are vital to your sporting and financial future for the coming season. And you're undertaking these challenges when you're not ready, when you're bedding in a new team, when the team's not at optimum fitness, when you're either just starting or have not quite started a, a league campaign. But that's the same for everybody, isn't it? For, yes. For all of the what, qualifiers. What, what, well, it, well, it is, apart from, obviously they have bigger disadvantages, but like you, know, you could have, say... Um, Swedish teams who've been playing through the summer or whatever. That's maybe a little bit different. Of course, the Swedish champions have always already gone by the wayside hucking a, a fair few weeks ago. So that's a different story. But um, for Marseille, it's huge because they're a huge club anyway, as you say, because they have had a big transfer window where they've invested a lot in players. I mean, they've given a three-year contract to Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who... Scored two in this, Scored by two. the way. Yeah, come on now, David. The start's never the problem with yeah, the Bamiyong, yeah, is it? Yeah, exactly. The start is never the problem. <laughs> but I, I, I feel I feel some sympathy for Marseille because they play pretty well in this. Um, they uh, dealt with the occasion pretty well. They're 1-0 down from the first leg. They went 2-0 up and then conceded this 99th minute penalty that took them into extra time before they lost on penalties. In an almost perfect shootout, Matteo Genduzzi missed the first one and like all, all the other and that was all after the giving away handball as well yeah that's, so he's a villain in this that, he, that, that's, that's right he's really unfortunate because as you say he gave away the penalty right at the end of of, of normal time um, he almost redeemed himself by assisting Vitinha in extra time the goal was VAR'd off for a very, very close offside. Yeah, I know offside is offside, et cetera, et cetera. But he's, he's really close to being this redemption figure. He'll, he'll probably leave before the end of the, the, the transfer window as well. So, you know, he's been very good Grand for... Doozy. Yeah, oh. he's, been, he's been very good for Marseille. Where's he likely to go to? Um, pro, pro, probably Italy. Um, okay. of, he could have gone to Villa in January uh, for a lot of money, but he wanted to stay with Marseille for the season. He doesn't want to be a villain. <laughs> And yet, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel sorry for him because he's 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 a brave player, whatever you think of him, and he, he never hides from these these big moments. But for Marseille, if you've assembled a squad for the Champions League, and all of a sudden you're looking at best case scenario Europa League, it's tough, isn't it? This is the problem with you know French clubs on a whole. PSG get a lot of stick about oh they're buying up that league. There's only one team in that league. Um, a lot of people don't acknowledge the other side of it is that a lot of these major French clubs who should be their rivals do not help themselves. Yeah, agreed. They shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. They are the Simpsons meme with Sideshow Bob just constantly <laughs> stepping on rakes. That's, that's a nice little lead on from Guendouzi, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, they constantly do this and it's a case every single summer. Um, at the start of the season, I think when there's this big opportunity for them to, to excel in Europe, to go on in Europe, get some money in the coffers, continuously add 
avoid having to sell players, but once again, they're back to square one and they'll have trouble again. And PSG will probably run away with things again. Is it, as David is saying then, Andy, that it's a more fundamental issue about French football, League 1, that we're dealing with here? Obviously, yeah. we've talked over and over again on OTC about the issues around French football and the sponsorship and, it, and the way that PSG runs away with it. But actually, if David's right... It's the French teams. It's not PSG's problem. It's their. It's the league's problem. I I agree to an extent, and I, I think it's, it's some. It's an issue that's created by one overdominant team. We've seen it in uh, the Bundesliga in in the last couple of years. I think when you have the impression that the championships are all already sewn up, it's very easy for the teams below if they think it's hopeless to not get their ducks in a row, because. If we've seen it with PSG, actually, that you know, a league in which it's happened like with relative regularity, with Lille winning the league, with Monaco winning the league, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. In a season where there's a slip up by the big boys, you have to be ready. You have to be ready to receive the opportunity. It's not felt like a team has been in the Bundesliga. You know, came very close to it last season, but no one's been quite ready enough to make the most of Bayern's difficult bits. It sometimes feels like that with the other big teams and, and PSG. Like You look at the the closest team that came to PSG last season, Lons, who finished only a point behind them. It shouldn't really be them. Like They did brilliantly, but it shouldn't be them doing the challenging. <laughs> it should be Marseille. It should be Monaco. It should be Lyon, who've missed out on European football for like three seasons in a row. You know, you know it, and th- this is the climate that it partially creates. If you think that even if we're almost faultless, we're still not going to win anything this season, it is quite hard to, to get yourself in, 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 in that spot, I think you can argue. But this is going to have real repercussions for French football because, of course, France is slipping behind the Netherlands into sixth rather than fifth place in the UEFA coefficient. Now... Obviously, when the Champions League is reformatted, um, we're we're, going to have like questions of dead rubbers, competitive balance with the new Swiss system, etc., etc. But for a country like France, you know, you've got the opportunity to get four teams in the Champions League, unless you lose that fifth place to the Netherlands, which they're in serious danger of doing. And in terms of that, this is an absolutely huge blow, not just for Marseille but for France in general. Okay, that that's France, but there are other leagues in the qualifiers. Obviously, the Champions League qualifiers. What's happening elsewhere? Well, um, Panathinaikos will now go on and play Braga, and you know, like, we can't run down Panathinaikos. They, they've done brilliantly to yeah. get to the, the 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 playoff round, as you said. Um, they showed real resolve. They used the subs a lot better as well because Marseille were physically flagging towards the end of that. And, you know, we talked about playing in early season. I think that's a huge part of it. So what, they brought on runners then at, the, at that point? Yeah, they, 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 they just freshened it up and they, yeah. they, they, they used their bench really, really well in, the, in, in a way that Marseille kind of retreated to defend the result in the, in, in the last... 20 minutes or, or Marcelino did which Although Marcelino I, can do I really really like Marcelino but he can do that it's yeah. it's one of the Emery, him and Emery's got a bit of a similarity sometimes they can just sometimes just sit a little bit too deep and protect a little bit too much and it urges the other team on and I think that's what happened there but I, I think they they did just run out of gas as, yeah. as, as, as well um, but the, now they go on and play Braga who won really comfortably uh, Braga are a really good side I would expect them to get to the the, the group stage now Um 
Galatasaray, after talking of teams that have heavily invested before they've qualified for the Champions League proper, um, Icardi scoring the winner this week in the second leg against Olympia Ljubljana, which they won quite comfortably. Now they've got to beat the champions of Norway, Molde, to get themselves in the group stage. You would expect them to to do that. Wilf Saha's getting fitter and fitter as well. He played 20 minutes um, in his league debut at the weekend and he, mm-hmm. he played as well in the, 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 the game this week. And the real biggie, PSV versus Rangers. Really exciting game, I think, that one. Um, I think we just touched on Xavi Simmons, who obviously excelled at PSV. Enormous loss. Yeah, enormous loss. You can't loss. replace him, can they you? They can't replace him, but they've signed for me one of the, uh, I think, one of the most underrated players in Europe, I'd even say, in Jody Shouten. I think he's been brilliant for Bologna for the past few years. He's been really, really impressive in Serie A. For PSV to get him, really intelligent player, brilliant game manager, and I think he's going to bring a lot of balance and calm to PSV, which is really good because they had a bit, if you think of how that last season ended with the with the whole walkout with Van Nistelrooy and mm. what have you, they need somebody to be calm and a bit soothing in that midfield. And I think they'll be a lot different to what they they were. They'll be a different type of side, but I think he's a sort of, uh, you know, the right signing, I think, for them. And they've also got um, Malik and Varanks that come in as well. So I think if that's they're going forward with in the midfield, I think that's that's really interesting. And Rangers are, you never know what Rangers are going to get in Europe. Um, no. they're on the other side sometimes they can shoot themselves in the foot so it'll be interesting to see what sort of range can put come on you're going to get a hell of atmosphere in that first in the first game yeah I mean that, that was so much better than Sturm Graz over, over those two legs I mean mm-hmm. Sturm Graz were shambles in that first leg in, in, in Eindhoven but um, Jan Bakayoko is in great form at the moment as well mm-hmm. which I, I think is really important he carried that on from the, 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 the back end of last season um, the young Belgian wide player who's Done really well for the national team over the last little while as well. So, PSV are dangerous, even despite those losses for me. Well, clearly, there is so much football to watch in Europe. We do need a guide as to which are the games that we should consider watching. That's why we turn to you guys every week to ask you for a recommendation, a game of the week recommendation. And you two are so competitive about this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew you were fast off, first off the blocks, so to speak, David. Yeah, honestly, I scanned the games across Europe this, and there was just one that really stood to me, and that's Leverkusen versus Leipzig, Saturday, 2.30. Wow. I mean, what a game to start the season off with. You've got two young managers, Marco Rose, Xabi Alonso, of course, and then the talent you've got on display. Sesco, Appenda, Verts, Simons, Boniface, Arthur as well. I mean, come on. I, I don't think Florian I need... Verts in the number 10 now. What are we saying? Oh. That's pretty good, right? I'm really glad. He's, he, look, he's, he's come back towards the end of last season. He's had a full pre-season as well. He's got some fitness under his belt. We could be... Look, I mean, look and he'll work his way back gradually, of course. He's never the same after such a long-term injury, but I think he's got the time to work himself back and he could genuinely be better. Biggest star in Bundesliga this year. I think it's prime for him to have a major, major year. Um, if you look at how impressive he was before that injury, my word, he was he, he was unbelievable. Let's see, along with Musiala, probably the most exciting young German talent around. So, most watch game. All the talent available is incredible. Of course, if it was uh, Andy suggesting that game, he would know exactly what to eat with it. Yes, yeah. a bit hot dogs. I'm not going for any of that uh, oh, you're not. overrated German tat. You know my. Uh, oh right, okay. Well, 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 I, I had a couple of pretzels that I brought back from the breakfast buffet for you, but but maybe I'll just keep them now. <laughs> I was hoping for a cane shirt, and I don't know what pretzels. Um, Get to the back of the queue, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm gonna really uh, go 
English here and just say, have a, instead, have a nice Cumberland sausage sandwich because that's far better than So we'll bring our own Cumberland. Ooh, We're basically taking... fired. Yeah. Well, we are taking coals to Newcastle, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, by taking our own sausage to the Germans. Okay, we'll exactly. see how that goes down. Andy, where were you? Sunday night... Um, Betis versus Atletico is the one for me. Uh, so you've swapped, haven't you? Yeah, you two that's swapped. essentially yeah. what we've done. We like to keep the uh, listeners guessing. I, I, th- I think this, this is going to be really interesting. Look, any game at Heliopolis, the, the atmosphere is fire. So uh, I think that's important, especially on a, a Sunday night. Um, great, great return to form for Isco last week in his uh, La Liga debut for, for Betis, of course. Um, got biffed or thrown out by the throat, depending on which way you look at it, by um, Sevilla halfway through last season. Looked as if he was going to sign for Union Berlin. <clears throat> Didn't quite happen. Uh, you just suspect that his, his focus had waned. Um, you know, was he ever going to get it back? Uh, fitness was going to be an issue, having spent, like, if, if you count like his last year or two at Real Madrid, a really long time without playing regularly. He was great last weekend as they won at Villarreal. Really, really impressive and not something that I was expecting at all. A, a real surprise. So that's the Betis side of it. Atletico, decent start for them. They still look quite susceptible to pratfalls at the back. Uh, they dominated Granada and managed to concede an equaliser to them. But uh, Memphis coming on really, really did the trick. Of course, Griezmann's Griezmann. There's still a few little doubts over their team. I feel that it hasn't really changed enough, but mainly because they haven't got any money. Um so we'll see if anything happens between now and, and, and transfer deadline. But look, they'll be competitive in the meantime. There's no doubt about that. And in terms of food pairing, um, what are you going to eat? Well, obviously, I should go for something Andalusian. So this is relatively sacrilegious. But I think it's summer still. It's hot out there. Let's go for a nice seafood paella. Oh. And... Um, We'll, we'll go back for seconds. He's got the thumbs up from David Cartledge. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And thank you for listening to On the Continent. Make sure that you join us again tomorrow for Ask OTC, where we'll be answering all of your questions about the latest news from the world of European football. And make sure to subscribe in your podcast app so that you never miss an episode. On the Continent is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.